Coming up on this week's show, Annabeth Albert is here talking about her latest Wheels Up. Plus, we've got Jay from Joyfully Jay with some book recommendations. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome, everyone, to episode 115 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com. And I'm Will from WillKanaus.com. This week's episode, as always, is brought to you by listeners just like you. We will have more information on how you can help support this show in just a few moments. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you. Welcome to you. Thank you. we got a lot of stuff to talk about, like, to, uh... To, yeah. to talk about that, yeah, yeah. Are we gonna have another talk problem this <laughs> this week? Oh dear. Maybe um, maybe we should practice or something. Uh, maybe I don't know. Go to elocution lessons or <laughs> look at you with the big words. <laughs> Ten dollar words. Thank you. <laughs> Courtesy of Will. All right, let's get talking about what went down this week. Codename Winger Three went under contract at Harmony Inc. Press. So, yay, I was very excited about that. Congratulations uh, to you. So that means uh, The Adventures of Theo will continue in 2018 mm-hmm. with two books, one in the spring and one in the fall. So, very excited about that. Uh, we also started writing our second Dreamspun book, You and I, and I put almost nearly 10,000 words on the first draft of that, so that was cool. And... Reviews have started to come in on The Hockey Player's Heart. We have a couple that have found their way into Goodreads for people who are doing some of the early reviewing, and four stars for each of those. So, good job, sir. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, I, I will take that. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's our book, so give you congratulations, too. Thank you, sir. Yes. Congratulations to Eli. She was the winner of our Happy Holiday Paperback Giveaway. Actually, Eli is a he. But oh, Eli. Sorry, Eli. We're, we're talking about an author later on, and her her name is Eli. And she is a she. I apologize, Eli. <laughs> anyway, right. <laughs> your paperbacks are on the way, Eli. I hope you enjoy them. Yes. Um, also, we want to wish a very happy holidays to our um, patrons on Patreon. I had to think about that. Ugh, I don't think I'm ever going to get that right. Yes, you will. Anyway, news came this past week that the stupid... <laughs> And that's, a, <laughs> that's what it was. That's a nice word. The stupid changes Patreon had decided to make have been rescinded. Yes. Yay! Enough people complained, and um, uh, actually, the changes were more than stupid. We're very, very glad to learn that they will not be going through in the new year. So, with that being said, uh, shall we give them some information? Absolutely. All right, you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For as little as 25 cents per episode, your pledge can help pay for the, well, sort of the back end, behind the scenes things that go on here at the podcast. And for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. All patrons have the option to have a personalized thank you sent directly to them. Also, any month that we have pledges that cover all of our monthly production costs, we'll produce a special bonus episode, especially for our patrons. Indeed. Um, Not only do you get that special monthly bonus episode, you have access to all the previous bonus episodes. There's a ton of content on there. We've been doing this for almost an entire year. Yeah, there's this episode we just put out last week was our 11th bonus episode. 
so so much Jeff and Will that you can't even stand it. Too just ugh, overwhelming. Indeed. Overwhelming. Uh, if you would like more information and more details on how you can join us on Patreon, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash big gay fiction podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash big gay fiction podcast. Yes. So this past week, I got to speak with Jay from Joyfully Jay and got a ton of book recommendations. We do some best of 2017. We talk holiday books. We talk about what she's reading right now. It's a really great moment. And she, there's so many things to add to your TBR here. So let's take a listen. We're welcoming back Jay from Joyfully Jay. Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks. Good. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you. Thanks. How's Happy everything? Happy holidays to you too. How's everything? Everything is good. Well, everything is good except for my heater's broken today and I'm getting over a cold. But other than that, everything is good. And it's, it's snowing, Friday, so, so you I can't want complain. that heat. I know. It's <laughs> Friday and Star Wars weekend, so um, things are really good. That's right. Star Wars weekend. Looking very forward to seeing that for sure. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, we're sitting here coming up on the end of the year in just a couple weeks. And of yes, course, that I can't means best it. of list. What's, what's going on on Joyfully Jay to close out 2017? Okay, good. Um, well, one thing that we're doing right now is we're running our annual favorites lists. And we have, I think, six, six, seven of our reviewers, counting me, who are all doing best of 2017 lists. So we started that a couple of weeks ago, um, and we have been running through them all last week. And the last one um, is running today, which is mine. And I give each of my reviewers a chance to just sort of throw out there their favorite books. And... Um, I think tomorrow we'll have favorite covers and of the year, and then I'll do a um, post that combines all of them into one so you can see everyone's favorites or get to everyone's favorites all together. So it's really fun for me to see what they pick because I, of course, read you know every review that gets written, so it's hundreds and almost thousands of reviews um, a year. So I think that it's fun personally just to see out of all of those things what they, um, what they pull out. And um, it sometimes surprises me because I guess my instinct is to assume that we're all going to sort of have the same types of favorites, the same authors, or the same whatever. And so it's really fun for me to see how different everyone's lists are and the things that, you know, stick with you. A book that you can love in January may not be a book that you remember in detail come December. So I always think it's interesting to see, um, even for myself, what sticks with me throughout the year and I find sometimes they're not my five-star book maybe they're you know a 4.75 or a 4.5 but that they made that lasting impact that carried uh, carried through the whole year for me mm -hmm. are you seeing some trends in the lists of things that keep popping up well you know it's interesting two of my reviewers um, both put uh, the uh, let me see if I can get the title right the myth the Rules for Regulations for Myths and Magic by F.T. Lukens. And I probably totally butchered that um, that title because I forget it every time, but I will get you the link for that, um, which was interesting that it was on two lists. One of them reviewed it for the blog, and one of them had read it on their own. So um, that's actually an interlude press book that was sort of a young adult fantasy book that um, got great buzz, and both of them put it on their list. Um, we had several people with John Inman books, which was interesting because three different books by John Inman, um, and he writes such wide-ranging stuff from like you know really hysterical comedy to really terrifying horror. So he has a very broad sort of genre list. So it was interesting again to see 
um, several of his books um, on the lists. But, you know, we all, um, we very rarely review the same book. Occasionally we do a buddy review, but we very rarely review the same book more than once. So um, the lists actually vary a lot because a lot of reviewers, myself included, read almost exclusively blog books just because of the time. So um, we don't have tons of overlap, but it is interesting to see, um, like I said, the things that will stick with you over the year, even if it's not necessarily your top rated book, but just something that, you know, you sort of want to go back to and remember fondly. So that's sort of fun. You want to give us a couple of uh, sneak peeks at your best of sure, list that comes sure. out today? Um, so yeah, so mine comes out today and um, all right, well, one book that probably won't surprise anybody who has been on my social media in the last few months um, is because it's a book that I talked about nonstop, which is um, By the Kerwongs called by Walton B. Marsland. And um, this is actually a Harlequin escape book. So it's an Australian imprint. And um, it was pitched to me back in September as um, cross between the Thornbirds and um, Brokeback Mountain. And I was like, Thornbirds, I'm wow. in. Like, Okay. Could you have given me a pitch that would have been more, you know, drawing me in? Like Father Ralph, I remember watching the miniseries um, years ago. So this one I just went crazy for. And it's about this little teeny tiny um, bush town in Australia. It's a historical. And the main characters are the um, town vicar and the town um, police officer. So sort of the head. And the two of them having this... Um, you know, romance, they fall for one another in this little tiny town where they're both these town leaders and um, well-respected and they know if anyone ever found out that their whole, you know, reputations and livelihoods would be destroyed. So it was crazy romantic and sexy and just so well-written. I went nuts for it and referred it all over the place. So definitely that one um, is going to be on my list this year. Um, another one that I really loved and talked a lot about um, that I actually read for our challenge month in September for self-published author week was um, Rule Breaker by Lily Morton. Um, absolutely loved it. It was a great, I thought, great blend of humor and um, sort of poignancy, great bicker and banter and a sassy hero um, in Dylan and sort of a more stoic one in Gabe. It's a boss. Um, impost employee romance and um, I absolutely loved it and it was a funny book because I picked it purely because it was a self-published book and I needed one and she'd sent me a review request and I grabbed it I knew nothing about it only to find that it was very beloved and the second book just came out um, dealmaker just came out or actually it's coming out the 22nd so I guess it will be Friday um, and it was the second in the series and I didn't know if I would love it as much and I loved it even more and went crazy for it. So um, fabulous series. So those um, definitely will be on my list. And if you want to find more, stop by the blog and you can get my uh, full list of all of my favorites and everyone else's favorites. Yeah, we'll definitely be linking to those in the show notes so people can check them out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll send and, you links for all that. And of course, we're here in the holiday season and I'm sure that you and your reviewers have favorite holiday books. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, um, you know, this is a crazy time of year on the blog because, as you can imagine, so many books come out, you know, sort of in this like mid through November to end of December time period. And we actually start scheduling our holiday books 
for review in September. Um, and some of my folks were like booked through the year by October because so much comes out. So um, this is a fun time of year on the blog. And we um, every year I re-release, I update and re-release our favorite holiday books. So um, that post went out last week, and I will send you the link for that in your show notes so that folks can see. We have a big list of all of our favorite books. It's broken down by holidays. You can get Christmas books, Hanukkah books. Um, we even have a few other holidays thrown in, some Valentine's Day, some Halloween, some Purim, and other Jewish holidays. So um, lots of fun stuff on there. I think um, this year we, we added a handful this year. Um, one of my favorites um, is... Uh, Heidi Cullinan's Minnesota Christmas series, so that's um, on there, and um, that actually, just a spin-off series, is just coming out now, um, Christmas Fling is the first one, so that's sort of a fun um, holiday series, if you're a fan of her Minnesota Christmas series set in Logan, this is a spin-off set in the same town, and um, I got to read a Hanukkah story this year, which I'm always on the lookout for Hanukkah stories, because they're there, but they're um, a little fit on the ground, so I read um, Eight Nights in December by Kira Andrews, which I really liked, and um, this is actually a, a um, re-release, so an expansion and a re-release of an old story, so I had read it before, but got a chance to read it again in the longer version, so um, if you're looking for Hanukkah, we've got that on there as well. So that's really cool. You had Hanukkah stories this year. Um, yes. Because you're yes. right. We've been looking at a lot of holiday books, and we don't see a lot of really anything other than the Christmas kind of right, thing. Right. So it's great that your list is going to kind of split things out a little bit more too. Yes. Yes. Also, um, Caraway Carter had a Hanukkah book and now it's the, um, the title is escaping me, but we reviewed that and um, my reviewer also really enjoyed it. So I'll send you that as well. But yes, if you're looking for Hanukkah, definitely um, check it out. Cause like I said, they're not, um, they're not as common in some years. I find a lot of them. I try to read one every year. Um, Astrid Amara has a whole series of Hanukkah books, the Belsky series. Um, but they're hard to find. So I always try to get in at least one, um, every season. That's cool. And it's nice that you found a good one this year. Um, yes. Yes. With, with Kira. Yes. Um, what are you reading outside of the holiday genre these days that you would like to recommend? Um, let's see. Well, I, um, just reviewed It Takes Two to Tumble, which is the, um, first book in Kat Sebastian's new, um, Seducing the Sedgwick series. And, um, if people saw me, I don't know, probably a year ago, you and I talked about how blown away I was by her first book um, in that series, The Soldier's Scoundrel. So I was really excited to see a new series. And, um, you know, I always get sort of excited and nervous when a favorite author or favorite series and they start something new. And I wonder, will it, you know, sort of meet expectations? But um, I really loved it. It's um, a uh, naval captain who um, basically spends most of his life away from home and his children, and he comes home for the summer, and his kids have sort of been running wild since his wife dies, and the local vicar, since a local vicar theme, um, the local vicar is watching the kids, and they fall for one another. But there's sort of a fun, um, almost sound of music vibe to the beginning, where you have these wild children climbing trees, and he comes home, and he's thinking, you know, order and structure are going to win the day, and he has to sort of learn to... Um, be a little bit more loose and relaxed and creative with how he deals with his kids. So, um, and then it moves into more of the romance between the two. So I really enjoyed that. And we're so, I'm so glad to hear you enjoyed it because like Will and I both loved the original three. Yes. Um, and we started reading them mostly because of your recommendation last year. Oh, so yay! we've already bought 
this new book and it's just yes. waiting for us to start it now. Yeah. Yes. It's very good. Excellent. Um, I really enjoyed it. And the series starts up um, nicely because it's the Sedgwick's um, are the Vickers family and they're a really interesting family. And we get just a little bit of a tease of some of the other family members. So um, the next book they know already is going to be one of the brothers. So I think that she set it up nicely for um, a way to carry this series through. Very cool. Looking forward to reading that. That might that'll probably be one of my first of 2018 to get into. And what else do you um, have? Oh, another book that I have um, recently read that I loved, which I think the review is coming out this week, um, is Straight Laced by Kate Aaron. And um, I was a fan of, of her um, fantasy. She had a fantasy trilogy, The Slave, The Master. Um, and so I picked this one up and I really went crazy for it. This is a contemporary sort of opposite to track between a um, – young businessman and he is very sort of controlled and um, career focused and he spends a weekend of every month in Manchester for work and when he's there he goes to um, a gay bar where he meets a go-go dancer and so it's very much that sort of um, opposites attract one sort of has to learn to help the other one has to learn to live a little and one needs to learn or at least learn is probably not the right word. One sort of gets a little bit more direction from being together. But what I really liked is that it sort of transcends that, which is a very common trope and one which I love, um, but really does such a fabulous job of character development. It's romantic and sexy and very um, sort of layered characters that really develop a lot over the course of the book. So um, that was one that I could not put down and um, just race through the whole thing because I thought it was fabulous. So um, keep your eyes open for that review. I definitely loved it and um, was one that I really hadn't heard a lot about and just went crazy for. Very cool. It's always fun when you find those books that just kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I really love because, you know, people request reviews from the blog. So I get to see a lot of um, stuff come across my desk that I don't um, without having to go out and seek it out. But um, and sometimes it's just a matter of picking out the right book from this enormous pile of requests. And so um, it is fun to sort of find something that you weren't expecting that turns out to be great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much awesomeness here with us at the, at the very end of the year. Thank you. Thank Wish you, you and your family a very happy Hanukkah and happy new year. And we'll see you thank probably you. sometime happy in holidays like and February. Happy holidays and happy new year to you too. The new adult hockey romance, Rivals, by Jeff Adams, is now available in audiobook as performed by Derek McLean. Mitchell Turner and Alex Goodman squared off on the ice throughout high school. Their rivalry was tough on Mitchell because he harbored a huge crush on Alex. With high school and college behind them, they meet unexpectedly on Thanksgiving Day, once again on the ice. Mitchell is thrilled to see his one-time adversary all grown up. With their rivalry in the past, could this be the start of something magical for the holidays and beyond? Written by Jeff Adams and performed by Derek McLean, Rivals is available at Amazon.com, Audible, and iTunes. Also available in ebook. Get your copy today. Now we've both been busy uh, turning the pages and reading this week. What have you been up to? Indeed. So I've read my very first Mary Calme book. Which is shocking, because Mary's been around for a while, one of the, you know, 
big hitters in the in the industry in our genre. I have finally read a Mary Call Me book, and I loved it. Oh my god! Uh, I read a Day Makes, which is the first book in her Vault series. Uh, the second one actually came out at the end of October, and I'll be picking that one up too because I liked where this went. Uh, this particular book focuses on Seton Mercer. He is uh, ex-military and has become an enforcer for a mob boss. Um, I guess it was a good job transition for him because he's really, really good at his job. Uh, has the ultimate trust uh, of his boss, Grigor, and of the men that he uh, has under him. Uh, unfortunately, Grigor, over time, begins to feel like maybe Seton has too much power over his men and that the, the men look to him more than they actually look to the boss. And that becomes a problem. Uh, and after Seton is sent out to protect a marine biologist who is... Uh, the son of a judge that is uh, working with Grigor, um, things go really, really amiss. And suddenly Grigor feels like Seton is a liability. Um, but at the same time, this marine biologist, Brindley, uh, has picked out Seton to be his bodyguard because he's seen him previously. And when he had the opportunity and knew he needed a bodyguard, he went, I want him. Um, and so this becomes an amazing kind of finding your true love because these two are so adorable. Seton, despite the fact of being this big, bad enforcer, uh, is totally smitten with Brindley and Brindley's smitten with him. Seton can't quite comprehend uh, why this young marine biologist would be so in love with somebody who, as Seton says, I'm a scary man. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, I really liked the book. It was a very... Uh, odd read for me in a lot of ways because this romance doesn't actually come up until you're almost to the halfway point. Uh, on the other hand, I really liked getting to know Seton really well and the, and the, what he did in his life and how he you know ended up in this uh, rather tenuous position he was in by the time he met Brinley. And then Brinley and Seton, as I said, are just wildly adorable um, with each other and... Uh, I liked it a lot. I mean, as a writer, I thought it was, I was very fascinated with how she chose to build the story. And as a reader, I just ate it up. Um, and I did the audiobook, which is narrated by Greg Tremblay. Uh, he did a great job on the narration, as you would expect from Greg. So overall, huge thumbs up uh, for A Day Makes by Mary Calmay. Uh, now you have continued your binge reading. And if you're on the video, you see his binge reader shirt that he's appropriately wearing. You've got three books to talk to us about. Yes, really quickly, I want to recommend the three that I have read this week. The first one uh, was a first for me, actually. Uh, I read Wild Trail by A.M. Arthur, uh, a cowboy romance. This is the first book I've read by A.M. Arthur, and I loved it. I went crazy for this book. It is so good. Okay. He really did. He's talked about it all week. <laughs> <laughs> I will not shut up. Okay, so Wild Trail is about a cowboy um, named Mac. Um, he, uh, he's working on this sort of guest dude ranch called the Clean Slate Ranch. Um, this will actually be a series. There will be more books forthcoming in 2018. Thank you, A.M. Oh, Arthur. Cool. Um, so Mac is working at this guest dude ranch, uh, when along comes Wes Bentley. He is a struggling actor living in San Francisco. And he brings his sister and their wedding party. They're basically kind of spending a week uh, duding it up at the dude ranch uh, uh, 
uh, uh, sort of as sort of a bridal shower event, okay. essentially. Um, so um, Wes and all of his friends are, are hanging out, and uh, of course, big gorgeous Mac, uh, sexy cowboy that he is, uh, catches Wes's eye, and the attraction is, of course, mutual. And they kind of resist each other for a little bit. They realize, you know, maybe uh, a sexy vacation fling isn't the best idea. Um, but they, they give in to their their impulses anyway. Well, good. Uh, and they end up falling for one another. Um, and once the sort of bridal week, week is over, um, they continue their romance. Um, what I thought was really wonderful about this story is, is that... Once we reach the point uh, where in a traditional romance the story would be done, um, Wild Trail keeps going. So once Wes and Mac kind of hit their black moment and then make up, um, the story keeps going. And thankfully, we get to see how they work through some of their relationship issues. Hmm. Um, there's some really terrific plot stuff that's going on towards the uh, second half of this book. Uh, Mac, uh, with Wes's help, uh, discovers a ghost town on the ranch's property. Uh, and there's a really interesting storyline that goes along with that as Mac um, wants to rebuild it, turn it into a tourist attraction hmm. to help uh, kind of infuse some money into their local town. Uh, Wes also gets a very promising job offer, uh, an acting gig um, that uh, could really lead to some impressive things. So I really loved Wes and Mac an awful lot. Um, I also want to mention super, super quickly that I thought... AM did a phenomenal job with the secondary characters. A lot of times, um, uh, romances can uh, open in media res, which means a large group scene with a ton of different people and stuff going on. And as a reader, I hate that. Hate it to pieces because I don't know who any of these people are and I don't care what they're doing because I haven't had a chance to get to know them yet. Um, AM does a phenomenal job of showing us who Mac and Wes are immediately and then sort of weaving in all these other secondary characters like uh, the guys on the ranch and the people who are in the wedding party. Um, and they're all actual genuine real characters. They're not just, you know, kind of paper people that she moves around for the plot's sake. Mm -hmm. uh, so really exceptional. The next book in the series is going to feature Colt, one of the other cowboys on the ranch. Uh, he is the best friend of Mac. And in this book, he reveals a very deep, dark, traumatic secret. Uh-oh. Uh it's Oh, God. It's all so damn good. Um, I highly recommend <laughs> A Wild Trail, and I cannot wait for 2018 to get here so I can read more of these books. Okay. The next book I want to read, or talk about, actually, is called Desperately Seeking Santa by Eli Easton. Um, uh, quick note... Um, I started reading Desperately Seeking Santa and Wild Trail on a Monday, and it took me until Wednesday to realize that both of these books have a main character named Mac. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever said I was the, you know, sharpest, you know, tool in the shed. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> Desperately Seeking Santa is essentially um, a new adult romance. Our two heroes are kind of winding up their college careers. Uh, the first main character is Mac. He is this big, brawny uh, wrestler 
Uh, everyone calls him the Mountain because he's nearly seven feet tall. Good Lord. He's this ginormous, intimidating guy, but he's actually a total sweetheart. Um, who our other hero finds out uh, that he, um, through the rest of the story, we've got Gabe. He is a journalist. And at the beginning of the story, uh, he is working for a local newspaper and he gets assigned his first story. It's sort of a fluff piece. Uh, he needs to go uh, and talk uh, to one of the people at the local Elks Lodge. They're doing their annual holiday dinner for an orphanage. It's a charity event. And uh, Gabe pulls a Rory Gilmore and he goes, I don't know if you know this, but I'm really awesome. This story, eh. <laughs> But his boss says, uh, no. Do this story first, and then we'll see how awesome you actually are. So Gabe is determined to make this dumb, fluffy story the best investigative journalism piece anyone has ever seen. Is, is this his parking lot story? This is his parking lot story. <laughs> um, so uh, Gabe goes to the lodge and starts digging a little deeper, and he finds out that... Um, during the dinner every year, it sort of ends with Santa. Santa comes and he visits with the orphans from the, the local children's home. Uh, but no one knows the actual identity of this mystery Santa. So, uh, <laughs> Gabe is determined to find out who this secret Santa is. So, he's working on his story and he's getting to know Mac, who is like a genuine gentle giant. He's big and intimidating, but he is the nicest guy ever. And the interplay, the... These two characters are so kind and genuine and funny and smart. I really think that Desperately Seeking Santa is my favorite of all of the Christmas romances that I've read so far this year. Oh, wow. Okay. Which isn't to mean that I haven't liked the other romances, because I certainly have. I think anyone who's listened to this show knows that I don't talk about stories that I'm not absolutely in love with. But I really recommend checking out Desperately Seeking Santa by Eli Easton. It also happens to be the book of the month for the Top to Bottom podcast. Uh, they'll probably be doing their December wrap-up episode uh, in just a few days, and they'll also be talking about this book. I'm sure they will love it, because it is absolutely amazing. Incidentally, this is the book I told you about. Um, they fly to Mackinac Island uh, uh, okay. for a beautiful, uh, heartfelt Christmas. I would like to do Christmas on Mackinac one year. That would be amazing. We'll just put that on our list. Okay, really quickly, I want to wrap up my reviews with Finding Home by Garrett Groves. This is a second chances, age gap, sort of May-December romance. And it involves uh, Caleb, uh, a young guy um, who's having a really bad Christmas. Aww. <laughs> it is Things are just not going well for this poor kid. Um, a year or so ago, he kind of had a little bit of a fling with John, uh, a professor in one of his classes. Um, but because of family issues, his mom got sick. Caleb had to drop out of school and take care of his mom. And now this is the very first Christmas um, Caleb uh, is, you know, experiencing without any family uh, to help get him through these tough times. He's a retail slave. His life pretty much sucks, which I personally identified with when I was in my early 20s. Uh, things sucked pretty, pretty bad because I had no clue how to be an adult. And I was fucking things up left and right. And, and poor Caleb is doing the exact same thing. Luckily, 
uh, as chance would have it, uh, some holiday magic, uh, brings Caleb and John together. And they finally get their second chance and they begin to explore that once again. And John takes Caleb home uh, to his family, his very large, extended, rambunctious family. And it's a wonderful holiday, but um, it freaks Caleb out. Um, it's hard to explain. I think this story explores some very genuine and dark themes. I know the word dark is going to turn a whole lot of you off, but I can't really think of a, another way to describe it. Um, serious, perhaps? Serious, yeah. Serious themes, um, such as when Caleb goes home with John to hang out with this amazing family, he immediately kind of pushes John away. And that's because uh, I think he's kind of in a very dark, difficult place that he doesn't feel like he deserves to have happiness at this time of year, mm -hmm. uh, which is a genuine thing. I think what Garrett Groves manages to do is uh, he explores these genuine themes. And it's not like a light, fluffy, black moment that they can just fix with a, a single conversation. There's genuine stuff that both of these characters have to work through. Uh, and they do. John makes a grand gesture at the end of the book. Um, and what's interesting is that this could genuinely blow up in his face. Uh, mm -hmm. You know how in most romances they, you know, he might hold up a boombox above his head and, <laughs> yay, I do love you. Uh, this is, it's nothing like that. I think there are genuine stakes going on in this book. Um, but it is a romance, so of course they do actually work through all of it. So I highly recommend Caleb and John's story, Finding Home by Garrett Groves. I really, really liked it. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So this week, you and I both had the chance to talk with Annabeth Albert. You have fallen in love with her SEAL series that she started earlier. Yes, indeed. Uh, in November, she brought out the, the most recent book, Wheels Up. And she's talking to us about that, plus a whole bunch of her author influences, which includes friend of the podcast, Su Suzanne Brockman. Mm -hmm. We're thrilled to welcome Annabeth Albert to the podcast. Annabeth grew up sneaking romance novels under the covers of her bed. Now she devours all subgenres of romance out of the open. Complex, sexy, and funny stories are her favorite, both to read and write. She loves finding the happy endings for a variety of pairings and is a passionate gay rights supporter. In between searching out heroes to redeem, she works a rewarding day job and wrangles two children. Her latest book, Wheels Up, which is part of her Out of Uniform series, came out on November 6th. Welcome, Annabeth. Hi! It's great to have you with us. Um, we'd love to hear all about the new book, Wheels Up, and, and about the Out of Uniform series in general. So this is one of my favorite books that I've written, and it was actually one of the hardest books that I've written. And it stars Dustin, who's the older brother of Dylan from At Attention, which was book two in the Out of Uniform series. And Wes, who's an enlisted SEAL, and it's an officer enlisted forbidden romance, and it has the SEALs in action a lot. 
which readers have been asking me, when are they going to really get to see some action? And we get to see some really nice action in Wheels Up. But it's also the emotional journey of the officer and the enlisted, um, their kind of arc that they go through. And what makes it your one of your favorite books? I just really liked Dustin and Wes. And sometimes the books that are the hardest to write end up becoming your favorite after a while because you spend so much time with them and so much time in edits. And then by the end, you're really proud of what you've created. And so this is one that I really worked on. And so I'm really proud of what we ended up with after edits. And let's dig in a little bit there. What made this so so difficult and, and forced you to work harder on it? Well, when you have an officer and an enlisted person, there's fraternization rules that come in. I do like realism in my book. So I went to a lot of research on this. I consulted three different attorneys. I consulted people that were in the service that had formerly been in the service, getting a variety of different opinions. I looked at message boards on this, trying to get a variety of different opinions about the fraternization rules and how it would actually play out for them to get to that happy ending that we all want for them. And so the amount of research that this book took was it definitely on the high side for me, but I loved it. And Wes is an explosive expert, and so I had to do a lot of research about his role on the team, what he'd be using, what he'd be doing, the sorts of missions that the explosive expert would be needed in. And so that was really fun, just the amount of research that I needed for him. It almost sounds like you had to do more research on the relationship and how that would play out than actually sending your seals into action almost. Well, so the first part of the book was all the research about the seals in action and that research. Then towards the end, it was like, okay, we've got to get them to a happy ending. We want a happy ending. It's a romance. And so no spoilers there. But I want a happy ending. And getting that was a challenge because the fraternization rules are real. I didn't want to just hand wave and, okay, sparkle magic dust and everything's fine. So it, it was a challenge to get to that happy ending for them. That sounds like a, a, a satisfying author journey in the long run. It really was because I felt at the end that I was really able to balance the realism with what these characters needed. And I just finished um, what, what will end up being book six in the series. And we get to see them again, the Wheels Up characters. We see them in, in the background of this next book. And I really like where they've ended up. They're just, it's like, oh, wow, they're a really cool couple now. So I'm, I'm happy with, with where it went. Six books is really impressive. Uh, I'm curious as to what, what sent you down that road of, of Navy SEALs. What was your inspiration for Out of Uniform? Well, so the series as a whole is my chance to look at the post, don't ask, don't tell military. What does mm -hmm. it really mean to be a military family right now today? How do things like toxic masculinity play into things? How do people cope with long separations and uncertainty? And a lot of my inspiration, I owe a huge debt to Suzanne Brockman and her SEAL series. And I have a funny little story about that. 11 years ago, I broke my foot, and I had never read any military romance at that point. And a friend gave me a huge box of Brockman books, and I just <laughs> became a huge military romance fangirl. 
but I was kind of waiting. I'd, I'd done a lot of reading of other people's military romances, but I was a little bit nervous about doing it myself. Could I really do the research and stuff? But then I wrote Ryan in Connection Error, and I just loved it. I loved doing the military hero. I loved doing the seal. And so I went to my editors at Karina Press, and I said, I really want a spinoff from Gamers and go the military direction. And they loved it. And so it's kind of a leap of faith for them and for me. And we decided to try and make the series. And not every book in the series is a coming out story, which I really wanted. I wanted to kind of show what it means to be out and openly serving in the military today and what the family side really is, the people who stay at home, the people who are waiting, the long separations, that sort of thing. Awesome. See, I'm going to have to read these now. Will's read the... The first one or the second one? I've read the first book in the Out of Uniform series uh, a couple of, I think it was a couple months ago now. Uh, I highly recommended it to everyone on the show. Um, what really, um, what really surprised me is um, as I was reading the book, I had a, a, a difficult time with it. Not because uh, I didn't like it, because I actually, in matter of fact, I loved it to pieces. But I thought your your main navy seal character the sort of journey that he was going through with being in the closet and being comfortable with what is essentially his very first relationship was um it brought up a lot of stuff uh, frankly uh in my own coming out journey and i remember all that anxiety and um angst about being in the closet it was very very real so um, I, I thought that first book in this in this particular series was really exceptional. Oh, thank you very much. Now, this is not your only series. If I counted right, you've got five in play. How do you look among those and decide where to go next? Well, so they're not all active. So Portland Heat is done. And Perfect Harmony, that's the music books, they're done. And I still play in those universes um, with little thicklets and shorts for my readers. I love doing little like revisits, epilogues to the epilogues sort of things. But other than that, Portland Heat and Perfect Harmony are done. And then Gamers is pretty much done, but I've got a connected novella coming out this spring. And then Gamers will be kind of done, I think. So then the active series right now are Out of Uniform and Rainbow Cove. And what I do is I make a big calendar in Excel with my deadlines. And I just kind of look and I see, well, who has deadlines when and where can I squeeze different books in? So at this point, it's very deadline driven, not as much, well, what does the muse want me to write today? But um, which I know is the muse would be a much better answer, but it's very deadline driven. And in um, 2019, I'll be part of another series. I know that seems far away, but it's rather close in writing time. And I'm going to be part of a new series, a shared universe at Riptide. And that should be really fun. I just, I love series. I was going to ask you that you, you do seem very attracted to series writing because everything seems, you have very few standalones. What, what I don't really do standalones. I'm going to do a standalone <laughs> next year. And that's very unusual for me. And already I'm seeing, I'm like, well, maybe it could be two books. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
what I love, and this is what I love as a reader too, I love a group of friends or a family or a family of choice, depending on, you know, sometimes friends become like family. And I love growing their whole universe. And I get, inevitably, as I grow their universe, I meet more people who need happy endings in whatever variety that ends up being. And I love giving them the happy ending. And then I like when we have the series and we can see hints of the earlier couple and see how their life is developing. Did they buy a house? Did they move in together? You know, we get to see the earlier couples kind of how they're developing too. And I just, I love that. And I like being able to use similar set pieces like locations throughout the series because then you really start to develop a sense of place. Okay, we're in the diner again. Okay, we're at the tavern and you really start to get a feel for the location. What's kind of your process as you're looking at kicking off a series? Do, is it really just starting with book one and seeing where that goes? Or do you plan out four, five, six books down the line to know how everything's going to interconnect? I usually do three at a time. I do three books. I, I kind of can see three books down the line. And what I like to do is kind of start with that group of friends or the people that know each other. And how how's that core group fit? Who's the who's kind of the focal point of the group? Who's the loud mouth? Who's the comedian? Who's the shy one? How are those personalities playing out in the friend group? Before we even think about happy endings for people, just how's that friend group functioning? And then usually one story will kind of come to the forefront that okay, that's gonna be book one. And I really dig into book one. But as I'm writing book one, I know who book two and book three are going to be about. I'm kind of laying the seeds for those books in book one. And so to me, this is really fun because the nature of the friendships and people's friendships in general are just really interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you have kind of a sweet spot on where you think series should draw to a close? Or is it just as long as the ideas keep flowing? Well, Out of Uniform will be at seven next by the end of next year and i'm really going back and forth as to whether seven's gonna be it or whether we could go on a few more as a reader i know that after seven or eight i get really um kind of as a reader you you're like oh well do i need to reread the previous six do i need to go back reader fatigue is a real thing Mm -hmm. and so like i don't i don't see it going to like 12 or something um, and, you know, so I have to kind of think both as a reader and as a writer. As a writer, you never want to let these books go. You know, <laughs> I, I could have done 20 Portland Heat books. But as a reader, between 6 and 8, maybe 10, feels good for a series. Some of these long series that have 15, 16, 17 books, to me, that gets a little long. Mm-hmm. Time, time to try something. Now... You also do co-writing with Wendy Qualls. Uh, how's the co-writing experience been for you? So it's she's my critique partner, and we're also best friends. And we started as an experiment because we wanted to see if our styles would mesh. We wanted to do something super fun. So we went to our to my reader group, and we said, here's some character arc to archetypes. What kind of jumps out at you that you'd like? And so... My reader group picked that they wanted us to do a virgin rocket scientist and an army guy. <laughs> and so it, it was just it was it, so it was just fun. It was just totally it was going to be a freebie. It was going to be 15,000 words and it ended up being 40,000. 
but um, and it was it was really fun and rewarding. It was challenging working it in alongside other projects. I tend to be very much a one project at a time sort of person, but um, but it was still really fun. And Save the Date is still free at all the retailers, and it was nice to be able to bring that to my readers and to be able to write with my best friend. That was really fun. Was it scary at all having the the character types presented to you? Well, we did it as a vote, and actually it was fun. It was very free. It was, okay, we're going to just have fun with every trope we love with this story. And it, and it ended up being the length that it wanted to be, and it was just it was like, okay, you know, let's just have fun with the wedding weekend trope and these characters, and it really was a fun book. And to that end, do you what? What are your favorite tropes to work in, or to read, for that matter? Oh, I love tropes. I am a huge May December relationship fan, both in my writing and in reading. If you want me to one click on a book, May December does it. I love friends to lovers, particularly best friends to lovers when they're in love and they don't know it yet. I love that one. Um, I like forced proximity when they're you know, snowed in or trapped together in some way. I like that a lot. Um, trying to think what's... I haven't done Secret Baby. Um, I don't usually read a lot of Secret Baby. But I said that about forbidden relationships and then I went and I wrote um, Wheels Up. So... Yeah, sometimes it's fun to try tropes you don't use very often and just see, well, what could I do playing in this sort of universe? Mm-hmm. You certainly hit on one of mine that I like a lot these days in, in doing May-December. I really, I've gotten kind of into finding those stories and reading them. I love Tender with a Twist that came out in October of mine is May-December, and I really like doing a hero who was a little older, a little more settled into his skin, and so right now my work in progress is a book that'll be out next Christmas. So it's a Christmas book that I'm writing this Christmas that'll be out next fall. And it has a 46-year-old hero. And I'm just like, this is so much fun. It is so much fun to be in a more mature person. I love my younger heroes too, but I'm finding I really enjoy the mature point of view right now, being in that character's head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So going back to your beginnings, what got you sneaking those romance novels under your covers? Okay, so this is kind of a funny story. My grandma had boxes and boxes of old school 1970s and early 80s Harlequins under the bed in the guest room. And I would go and spend the night, and I'd stay up all night, like till the sun came up, reading all the books underneath the bed. And so I got really good at borrowing a few to take home. And then I'd bring them back at the next visit and take another three or four. And then I found out that the library had them too. That was kind of a game changer for me. And I was just always the kid that would read long after the lights were supposed to be out. I had flashlights. I had other little lamps. I went through batteries like crazy because I just I, – I couldn't put a book down till I had read the whole thing. And I liked the length of the Harlequins because I could read them pretty fast. But, yeah, I was just – I was hooked from the start. Can you remember what some of your uh, favorite titles were from the early days? I can so I was a huge fan, and before I found the Harlequins of the typical teen sort of romances, 
Judy Bloom, Norma Klein, loved Paula Danziger's stuff. But then when I found adult romance, I read a lot of the very early Laurie Foster's, Catherine Coulter, Sandra Brown, Julie Garwood, Linda Leo Miller, and just, you know, the sort of the icons of romance. I got a really good education in them. I read all sorts of genres, contemporary, medieval, time travel, historical, romantic suspense. I think people often think, oh, you love the Harlequins, you just read the category romance. But I read pretty widely among all the different subgenres, and I just, I was in love with the genre from the first book. Does that early reading play into ha- to, into your storytelling now? I think it does because I've read so widely. I know what pacing kind of works for me. I read a lot of craft books too. I love reading about how to plot and how to pace and stuff. But I've read so many other books that I'm able to kind of draw on it. Okay, this book, they had the midpoint hit right here, and then they had the dark moment, and then they resolved it this way. So I'm able to kind of see how others pace things. Mm-hmm. And that worked really well for translating it to my own writing. And also, I know what it means to get lost in a story. And, you know, the characters you fall in love with, that it's the little details. And I know that in my favorite stories, it's those little details that really stand out to me. So I try and make sure that I, I hit those notes in my own work. So, yeah, I think reading definitely has helped me as a writer. And what got you into to reading gay romance? Was there a particular book that turned the corner for you? or There was. So, well, Suzanne Brockman had several um LGBTQ subplots in mm-hmm. her long-running SEAL series. So I had already read both. But then it was 2011 or 12, and Dream Spinner had a special going on to celebrate their anniversary where you could download a free book. And I had just recently gotten my first e-reader. And I was looking for free legal books that you could get. And so I went to Dream Spinner's website. And I downloaded Marie Sexton's property. And I had a baby at the time. I stayed up all night reading Marie Sexton's Promises. And I was just hooked. I was totally in love because it was a romance that was, and it had a happy ending and on-page love scenes. And I started reading, I started by reading everything of hers I could. Then I moved on to a bunch of other people in the genre. And by the end of the first like couple of months, I had spent so much money on the genre. You can really see that free books make a difference. <laughs> that was one free book and then i i went nuts on the purchase so it was it i really i owe a lot to marie for how amazing that book was in terms of how it influenced where my life went after that any particular favorites these days authors or particular books well so um I think that, you know, I read voraciously and a lot of different authors inspire me. I talked about Brockman and Lori Foster and Jennifer Cruzy's another early influence on me. But today I look at things like L.A. Witt writes her military series and I love her tattoo artists. I love the realism that she brings to the table. She's constantly inspiring me in terms of my own writing, how I want to bring that realism. I want to make sure that my heroes have that good of detail. And I love like Amy Jo Cousins and Santino Hassel for their world building. They have the long running series like I do. And I love seeing how they pull their characters from book to book and how their world just builds. 
And then I have other authors that I love for like the pacing and the characters like Kira Andrews and Lita Blake. Um, they just do amazing with in terms of character growth. And then um, A.M. Arthur, she brings the angst and I love how she does. She makes me cry every book and I love that. <laughs> so, but yeah, I read very wide, very widely. The book that I read most recently that I loved was Kira Andrews, Kidnapped by the Pirate. And I wasn't sure I was going to like it. But because um, pirate romances, uh, the last pirate romance I read was probably 92 or 93. But I loved it. It was so good. <laughs> I haven't read that yet, but I love the cover. The cover is amazing. The writing is even better than the cover. Well, I, it, and it's long, too. It is long and meaty, and they <laughs> really get the relationship in it. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Kira and AMR author. I, I literally just finished um, books by the two of them, uh, and I read them for the very first time, and I love them to pieces. And um, Kidnapped by the Pirate is definitely at the top of the TBR <laughs> for uh, 2018, most definitely. Have you read A.M. Arthur's Be Us series? That was one of the first... Um the triad books that I really loved and her um, sound of us is, and then there's two other books starring that same trio. I really, really like that. I recommend it to anyone who's a little on the fence about, you know, trying the polyamory thing, but the male, 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 it, it really works. She is just a master of the emotions. Mm -hmm. I just read her, um, her most recent title. Uh, her, she, um, tackled her very first cowboy romance. Um, ah, Wild Trail. That's on my list. I get to read that this weekend. Yes, I was absolutely gaga for that one. It's amazing. She is just, she brings the emotion. So in terms of like people that inspire me, yeah. like I consider her a friend too, but just when I read one of her books, I'm like, that is the kind of emotion. I want to make people cry. I want to make people laugh out loud and wake their partner up when they're reading. <laughs> I, 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 I want to bring the emotion. So I, I read and it often really inspires me to up my game. Like how can I reach that same level? You mentioned reading across so many subgenres between some of those early books you were reading and even into today. Are there genres that you want to tackle in your writing that you just haven't done yet? My muse seems to only bring me contemporary romance. I've asked if it wanted to bring me a historical. <laughs> and, and I, my husband and my um, late father would love it, would have loved it if I would have done a sci-fi. He wants me to do space assassins. <laughs> um, but I just, I love contemporary romance, even though the world we live in is big and problematic and things happen that we don't really like. But I just I like seeing real world people get their happy endings. And my hat goes off to the historical writers that can do that much research to get their details right. Like K.J. Charles, I love her stuff, but I'm just not sure I could pull it off. I don't know. From hearing all the research you just did, I think you'd at least be able to do the research if your muse would bring you the characters. Yeah, if I if I could get a character, I think I would I would go down that path. And it's interesting how sometimes you don't know until you try something. Like A.M. Arthur just mentioned, she wasn't sure that she'd ever try anything outside of contemporary romance, and then she decided to try her hand at the Omegaverse. 
and now she's got a four book series in the Omega world of paranormal stuff. And so that's kind of, you know, you never know. Sometimes your muse can surprise you. So maybe someday my muse will bring me that historical. There you go. So what's on your docket for 2018 that people can look for? I have a lot. So um, in March, I'm part of what's being used as the Secret Naked Project hashtag, which is also an anthology. It's got a lot of different authors in it, and the cover reveal is coming up this week on the 18th, and you'll learn the whole slate of authors that are involved, and it's called Exposed. And we're really, really excited to bring you this, and I'm excited to be a part of it. And so that'll be a novella of mine that's with the other entries in the anthology and where, then in, where oh, will people be able to find that cover reveal on the 18th um the usa today blog okay great we'll we'll link to that blog so people can look for that i'll, I'll let you keep going with your list now i just <laughs> want to let people know where to go find that on tuesday on, on what well, i think that'll be tuesday yeah so um in april i have squared away it's another seal book and this seal um, was is really fun. He inherits three kids and their attractive older cousin. But um, he, it was my first real asexual hero. And so I really enjoyed the research again for this one. And I found some just amazing beta readers who worked with me on this book. And I'm tremendously proud of it. And I can't wait to bring that out in April. And then in July, we'll have another seal book, Tight Quarters. And that one has an embedded reporter and a seal. And that was a lot of research on embedded reporters. And that was a really fun book to write. I just wrapped that one up. What I'm writing right now will come out in November as Riptide's Christmas books. Riptide does the Christmas charities every year. And so I'm doing a Christmas book for them. And that's what I'm writing right now. And then there'll probably be some other books coming in 2018, too. I'd like to go back to Rainbow Cove, and we'll see when those books end up coming out in between those other releases. You are busy. My goodness. I, I try. And you, you've got a rewarding day job stuck in there, too, so that kind of release schedule is impressive with the day job going on. Well, I just I find it all works with, like, scheduling. My kids are now in school, and so they go to school. I get to work. Certain days I do my day job. It's not a 40-hour week. And certain days of the week I do that. Other days I write. And on the writing days, I try to make a lot of headway so that on the days that I can't write, I can just focus on the day job stuff. That's nice. That That's awesome. Keep, keep that up. It's inspirational to me as I keep dealing <laughs> with my day job. Well, and... Yeah, I used to work more hours, and I found that just doing something every day makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. that, is, that, is a, that is so true. So what's the best way for people to keep up with you online? Facebook, I'm very active on. I have the Annabeth's Angels Facebook group, and we love getting giveaways going. It's where I do my thicklets and my extras. We love getting new people to come by and but you can follow me on all sorts of other kinds of social media i'm on twitter and instagram now too but in terms of interaction i love people joining my fan group the annabeth angels group okay very cool well annabeth thank you so much for joining us it's been great getting some time to talk to you thank you 
So it was really enjoyable talking with Annabeth. And I can't wait to see what all she brings out in 2018. Because she she just cranks that, that material right out. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for her schedule. Yes, lots of wonderful stories. I'm super glad that she came on the show and we had a chance to talk to her. Yes, absolutely. Okay, guys, that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you for Mm -hmm. hanging out with us. I know this episode probably ran a little longer than usual. Uh, Thank you for hanging in with us. Uh, Coming up next week in episode 116, you can join us for Christmas Week featuring Reese Ford, and she's going to be talking about her latest book, Rebel. Mm -hmm. And also, Danny will be joining us with her holiday reading recommendations. Yes, it's good stuff. Mm -hmm. And Rebel... For those of you looking for it, Rebel's really good. I'll be talking about that next week, too. (laughs) Okay, guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter if you have a book. So until next time, guys, keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 